Hello there, this is Jess with the online audio troupe Roundabout Shakespeare, and we are currently being featured on the Introverted Improvisers platform. I'm here to tell you a little bit more about what we do instead of, you know, just sneaking into the podcast stream sans context. We improvise a classical tale in the style of William Shakespeare. We do our best to incorporate the themes, poetry, metaphor, the these, the thous, and the forsooths, and we create a world of characters and stories that have never before been discussed or dramatised and presumably never will be again. We are four improvisers spanning 5,000 miles who all felt compelled to gather weekly and share our thoughts, hone our skills, get some reps in, and just generally nonsense our way through the unwritten works of the Bard. A conscious aim that we have in improvising in Shakespearean or Elizabethan style is to try to use convincing language. With that being said, as a group, we try to find joy in the shortcomings and challenges that we all find in adapting our speech. So we're not always technically or grammatically correct, but we still celebrate any effort to sound romantic or menacing or archaic in our characters. Much like any form of improv, we're here to bask in our fuck-ups. Our fuck-ups are wonderful and they belong to us. Our format is generally long-form narrative improv style. So the show is bookended by hosts or scholars who will bridge the gap between the audience and the Renaissance-style play. So as a group, we like to have ongoing discussions about the quote-unquote format. Sometimes we like to make tweaks to emphasise resolution, themes or gameplay. We might mess about with the momentum or the linear storytelling. Basically, we each have a different relationship with improv and with Shakespeare, and so our goals will often morph as we go. Fairly typical of improv itself, I suppose. If any of this maybe inspires you to learn more or even try improvising Shakespeare yourself... As in any subject, immersion is key. Read, listen, watch, just generally consume as much Shakespeare as you like. And take classes, especially from the companies who are already improvising in this style. They'll also teach you about theme or character or structure. Like seriously, just Google improvised Shakespeare and there are already so many companies out there doing this wonderfully. There's absolutely no wrong way to start. And so with that, good listeners, open your ears to hear mortals trying to duplicate Shakespeare. Wherefore doth this such attempt clarion call to improvisers so destined to fall? Wouldst thou fight off ants on thy picnic plate or choose to wage war upon battlefield grates? Sublime the musings of the bard do run? Striving his place, even failing is fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bard Time, where we are so, so delighted to be joined by Arthur Minkle, um, who is actually our favourite scholar. We're so, we're so happy to have you back. Arthur, uh, thank you so much, Linda. Thank you so much. I'm I'm happy to be here once again. 
Yeah, so um, I understand you've uh, dusted off another little gem from the archives. For those of you who haven't listened to Bard Time before, Arthur actually works in the town's remaining um, archives um, ever since they took out all of the libraries. He is our single defender of the written word here in town. So what he's actually done is come clutching, white-knuckled, a brand new manuscript for us to tear apart. Yes, 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 and and uh, I was it was quite the uh, Uber trip over here. For I I always think that that someone out there will try to steal the Shakespeare from me, from my hands, from my cold, dry, dead sinews on my hands. But none did, none did. No, not on my watch, Arthur. So tell me, what do you have for me today? Well, this this is going to be an extra treat for this one is called the agony. The, the agony. The agony. <laughs> yes, yes. Most, usually with Shakespeare, the titles are are slightly longer, but this is just the agony. Well, I think this was also like when he was, um, it's quite early on in his career, isn't it? Um, in which he was just playing with the sheer poetry of emotions, I believe, which I think is why this is probably one of the more visceral pieces we read. There is a great deal of pontificating, a great deal of monologuing that we do find in this one. So I don't know about you, but I'm happy. I'm, I'm so excited to jump in. Well, and, and just just a word that, that for uh, those who are expecting the agony, it, it really starts in a completely different place. Uh, so so you'll have to keep in mind the title that that we won't get to the agony until a bit later. But but it is well, I should just stop talking and let the the actors play out the scene. Am I, am I right in saying, so this is the first, um, I do see a very faint stage direction here, uh, where it is in a meadow in the, in the highest of spring, is it not? Yes, a, a, a meadow, and, and we believe it might have been the Alps. I pontificate in joy upon this meadow, the highest of spring. Look at the mountains galore. To me, they sing, they sing back. I hear echoes of birds, echoes of bees, echoes of bees and their knees upon trees. <laughs> what a joyous day this brings. A young fair maiden who sings back to the mountains. <laughs> I hear a young fair maiden, totally unawares of my presence, lying down in these tall, tall meadow weeds, just staying as still as possible, so that I disturb this not more than the wind, lest my cover be blown. What a joyous day among the fawns, the flora and the fauna. And look, a ground squirrel runs. He tickles and tingles amongst the ground with his glossy coat and his belly so round. What a beautiful day in the mountains, in the meadow, in the highest of spring. Ah, oh, this friendly squirrel has, has found me, for I cannot hide in the weeds from such a small and smart creature, but I do fear that this creature will give me away. Stop twitching your tail, you errant rat! I shall follow thee, I see thee rustle, I see thee rustle in the leaves and the glossy 
sprigs in the weeds. Oh, oh, look at you go. Where do you run, little squirrel? Where do you run? Oh, fair maiden, please trample not on me, for I was here silent in the weeds. <gasps> for I think that this is the point. Um, where we are reminded that Shakespeare was a very superstitious writer as well. Um, and going back to old sort of Nordic tales in which squirrels were the harbingers of death. Um, so again, I don't want to spoil too much given that the play is in fact called The Agony, but um, does that not seem significant to you, Arthur? Uh, well, yes. I mean, I, I believe that uh, that's, the 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 Shakespeare uh, direction there, where the uh, the character just gasps, and just that the visceral feeling and the the difficulty of of connection that these characters are having. Uh, but yes, the squirrel, the squirrel indeed is is a harbinger of just horrible, horrible, horrible things to come. Yes, 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 indeed, Linda. It is remarkable that you mentioned the gas because if I could just very, 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 I can't stress how quickly enough, uh, just look into uh, this, I believe it's scene five and we're still in act one, in which the stage directions on the page merely read gasp, gasp, gasp. And this is from these two characters. The, uh, the dame, I believe, is called uh, Rachel. And then the gentleman in the Reeves, I believe we have uh, Michelangelo. Uh, can we just take a quick, a quick look at that scene in which they are merely gasping? Yes, yes. And, and the, what was really interesting was how different the gasps are. And, and yeah, but mm. let's, 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 just, let's just listen to the scene. Oh. Yes. Oh. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. And I just, I'd like to point out that there was some very interesting spelling used in those, in those gasps there. And it was very, very, uh, it, we're not sure because of the spelling if those gasps rhymed in some way, but nonetheless, very powerful and very compelling. Yeah, very remarkable. And this was, of course, um, <clears throat> the most amount of gasps that any uh, person did on stage without a single woman being present. Um, one can only assume um, being a, shape, a contemporary of Shakespeare. I, I will say that, that most likely the young boys that were involved in, in, in this probably had some type of awakening. Oh, I, I imagine so. Yeah, you're very right. Now, yes. I do just want to um, uh, skip forward, if, if I may, um, Professor Minkle, in which um, I'm finding myself sort of plumped in the middle of rather right at the beginning of Act Three, um, where we find the storm is brewing. Yes, Linda, I thought you'd come right to that. The, the storm brewing is one of my favourite parts. Uh, for here, we have... 
different characters all together. Uh, and, and, and we see, uh, it, we're sure that this is part of the play, but it, it does feel a bit disconnected, but, but very ominous. Mm. Queen of the fairies, give thy chant. Queen of the fairies, to give us our chant. Queen, queen, speak. We do. We doth wait for your word. You, you, would do you really wait for my word? Do you really wait? For I have been ready to talk for quite some time, and yet. You did not attend to my words. You were eating and drinking and defecating and sexualing. Yet I was ready to talk and you were not ready to listen until I said of the storm that was coming. A paprika, would you please pass me the, the muffins so that I may sup while we no. wait for the queen to finally speak? No, you hot! You halt with the passing of the spices. You halt, for you shall listen and you shall listen. Eat, eat. Now, are you eating while I speak? Right. I have recently restrung my lute. Shall I spin a tune for us, thou ears? Yes, oh, please. do play as a song. <laughs> not while I speak of the storm. For if you do not know of the storm coming, then you will surely perish. Lemon pepper, do sing on. <laughs> uh, but first, do, does that not feel a chill upon the air? Maybe. Yes! yes, a chill upon the air! Yes! <laughs> Is there a slight screeching of howl through the bricks in the wind? Aye, thou shalt. Um, start the song soon before this weather turns any colder or louder, and the queen might finally speak. Oh, it's shrill, is it not? Pray, here I sing. If a storm come, and I have not told you of the storm coming, then you will not hear me speaking of the storm, for the storm will be so loud! Lemon Pepper, thy song is loud and shrill. Lemon Pepper, let the thunder be your percussion as you croon your shrill, shrill tune. Sea salt paprika, I am trying, but there is a greater noise upon cascading from wall to ceiling that is stopping mine song. <laughs> Dost thou hear that? <laughs> is like the footsteps of giants. The storm approaches. It comes. It comes. Gasp. And see, that word um, comes actually goes on for several pages, does it not, Arthur? Yeah, yes, it comes. Yes, it, 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 go, it goes on and on and on. It, it's, it's quite disturbing. I think that this is where we're getting into the really um, rather harrowing part of the of the play, which I must admit I do often skip to, for it does rattle my bones somewhat. Uh, yes, well, as we remember from the uh, first scene that we heard, that mm -hmm. Rachel, Rachel, uh, 
she was of a mindset pure and optimistic and and we see here something completely different from her with the rage of the storm the bodies do bloat the bodies that rested beneath the noontime sun in the beautiful mountains for a day of sunshine the bodies have been drowned the bodies do decay the bodies do carry the bubonic plague for they have been bitten by a ground squirrel such and their families of these poor bodies they mourn them so much for they shall be carried away with the winds and the waves that come from this everlasting and cursed storm beg my pardon good lady <gasps> yes i the undertaker of the town come to thee for thou art the only one left of the families you speak no standing members stand and of all the bodies thou must now take possession so i bring one i bring two nay i bring a thousand cart upon cart upon cart of bodies of plague of boils of squirrel of diseases known not and yet one must take possession for i cannot bury hope if it be true that i bury bodies yet must someone remember someone must speak and someone must say of the things that happened here and you last one to know of all members of the town might say a word that will reach its way to god's ear above upon this mountain i shall build a mountain of bodies that will give some comfort i'm sure that those who died will know that if they walk the earth they will walk the earth together hand in hand upon said mountain where shall thou go as there be no dead bodies left when all be dead i go to london and if the plague follow me there with great wealth will i end up for as times go bad the undertaker is glad so uh, uh, <clears throat> just as, a, as an as an older man who's who's approaching my own mortality linda i i i i took that scene quite to heart quite to heart no i understand i understand that was beautiful um and i also think that it's completely undermined by the fact that the stage directions have him with a stuffed squirrel on his head given that he too does represent death so i just i just really want to applaud the sincerity that we're able to find in 
such a, let, let's be frank, a silly costume choice. Yeah, yes, it's, it's quite clear that this was one of the early works where Shakespeare didn't quite maybe trust his own words, mm. his own his own writing, but needed the the squirrel on the head. And and we can only wonder, or perhaps it was a fluke of costuming, who knows? But we yeah. have to say that it was a conscious choice that, that he made and and something that we'll all be wondering about. Now, I'd like to say there is one last scene. Yeah. And and uh it features Michelangelo, who we haven't seen throughout the play since the very beginning, as yeah. he was lying prostrate upon the ground. And yet he has he has a a, a scene here that that uh, frankly you have to hear to believe it. Twould it be that a boy who doth lie in weeds should find himself met with a squirrel and met with a girl and find a glimmer of hope in the sky he eternally looks upward at. Twould it be that this boy would find a body piled upon him, followed by another and another a thousand times over until he be but the pea at the bottom of a mattress. But would that pea sprout roots and grow eternally upward through bodies, through rotting, boiled flesh, and up closer to the sky to which he'd always gazed. Nay, this boy has no roots. This boy sees no sky. This boy shall perish in agony. Boy, boy. See upon your eye a squirrel twinkling by, and I be that squirrel. Tis the furry rat. Come back for me. Boy, boy, thou art the piper. Thou art the piper of the newest play. When I thought all was dark, and I could live no more, these voices inspire and make me more than I could e'er be. Nay, I'll no longer lie down. I will fight my way through this pile to the town and see all my loved ones, the ones who I'd hid from. Boy, boy, there be a storm coming. And you... Ah, the storm. Arthur, are, are you all right? You're, you're weeping. <sighs> Please, take your time. I, I, I'm a little bit there with you, but just what you mentioned before about your vulnerability and uh, your own sort of crippling with mortality, I, I do understand. This is a truly agonizing piece. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Linda. I, I'm normally much, much more professional than this. I, I, I must apologize. I, oh, <clears throat> Linda, I, I, I want to tell you 
before I die that I love you? Hmm. Oh, but <clears throat> perhaps perhaps this is not the time for this on this radio show. But I, I did see a squirrel outside. <laughs> well, um, let's maybe pop the kettle on and we'll have a talk afterwards. But for now, I, I do want to thank every... Arthur, stop looking out the window, please. I want to thank... Every, Arthur, please. I want to thank everybody for joining us on another episode of Bard Time. Do remember, we'll see you in the good times and we'll see you in the bad times. The agony. Good. The agony. <laughs> 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 um...